It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. To go this event in an elimination final, and tonight it feels like they gather at the last chance saloon in the home and away season. Whoever loses surely won't figure come finals time, and there are no guarantees for the winner either. And that gives a real edge to Friday night footy as the Bulldogs and the Saints meet at Marvel Stadium. Our Coats High commentary team tonight, Jared Waitley with you. Coats, we're more than higher, we're equipped for anything. Anthony Hudson's with me. Hello to you. Hello, Hello Jared. Good evening, everyone. Great to be with you on a Friday night ahead of another huge round. The old wild card playoff in July, <laughs> Jared. That's about where it sits, isn't it, for uh, the Western Bulldogs and St Kilda. And there's been a lot of discussion about who should be favourite tonight. And the Bulldogs smashed them last year by 111 points. But then the Saints won the few before that. Um, yeah, I'm really interested. It's very disappointing, the Bulldogs last weekend. And so too St Kilda, but particularly the Bulldogs. So can't wait for that. Can't wait for the rest of the weekend as well. Oh, tomorrow night at the MCG, all bias aside, is uh, definitely appointment viewing. <laughs> but there's some other terrific matches as well. And, of course, Scotty Pendlebury and the Pigeon. And the build-up to his 350th has been huge. So we're uh, looking forward to getting into discussing. And that's not even mentioning Buddy or the sack coach. There's a lot to go through in our pre-match. We'll take you through the teams a little later on as well as COVID just creeps a oh. little further across the footy landscape, and you start to wonder what August might look like. Jared Healy's in place. Hello to you, Jared. Bamboozled, Jared. Perplexed, confused. I do not have any idea which way this game is going to go. I saw St Kilda play here and smash Carlton a couple of weeks ago, and I thought to myself, they're on the way, they're on the march. First half last week should have been four goals in front against Fremantle, I think are genuine premiership contenders, and yet they just uh, botched that and fell away. And the Bulldogs, what do you say about the Bulldogs? I think they've got a fantastic midfield, but they got slaughtered last week. I'm not sure which Bulldogs are going to turn up. If their best midfield turns up, I suspect it gets them a win, but then Norton goes out. Uh, so very confused, Jared. Yes. I just sit here and uh, I'm just going to uh, sit by and uh, when our learned friend Dermot turns up, uh, oh. I'm going to take counsel from him. Here he is as to who is uh, who is going to uh, win this particular match because... But the good thing is, Jared, that the traffic was the clearest coming into the football <laughs> no, tonight. So I'm taking that excuse away from but you, But he Dermot doesn't Brown. need one because he is actually second perfect. Because as long as you're here for Dermot Burton, good evening. <laughs> good evening. You're, you're on here. time. There, there is roadworks down the peninsula. <laughs> <laughs> Your ram would have just gone through it, though. <laughs> yeah, it I don't know why they, they do that. Who's going to win tonight, Dermot? Because Saints. Blow- Saints. Saints. Okay. Saints, and I'm pretty confident about the Saints winning tonight. Uh, don't give us stuff to vested interest one way or the other, but I'm pretty bullish on the Saints tonight. They have been inconsistent for the year, yep. Gerald, but uh, I, I think they're going to be so headless up forward without Aaron Norton. Uh, still a good team, still got good players out there. They are the model of inconsistency themselves, the doggies, and the model of what is average, 8-8. Eight eight. Mm. So without their very best player, while they're just an 8-8 eight eight team, um, well, Bontempelli's probably that. But yeah. be a good what, subplot if their forward line works okay without him, though, wouldn't it? Because that would strengthen sure. the argument to play him Jeez. in defence. Kingy would go strongly on yes, that for centre-half back next, yeah, year, he next would week. But I don't know whether the Aussies got too many out, too many, bowled out too many teams when Dennis Lilly wasn't in the team, that type of thing. You've got to have your best players. You just I can't I was wondering where you were going. Yes. Them, but yeah, well, came yeah, back I'm nicely. just trying to think of an analogy. Yeah. They're the, your best players because they get the job done. So I can't see them getting the job done. No Dougal Howard sort of squares it up a little bit. Oh, I don't think they're too bad down back. No? The Wilk- Saints. Wilkie get him? Wilkie's not a bad player. Yeah. Um, I think the kid Highmore sort of starved for opportunity a bit this year with a bit of injury and and Josh Battle we know he's a very capable player but 
So the, the doggies midfield has been the, the, the danger, always is the danger. Yeah. But they've, they've not taken to teams this year like we thought they would. Wasn't their coach impressive afterwards? He just, uh, after the match last week, the press conference, it, it was so enlightening. He, he went in there with a message and it was, we're not working hard enough. You guys aren't on fire. You're not, doesn't mean enough. There's, there's no really other uh, point to make. There's no other excuse. It's, it just comes down to effort. That's, that's the way I read it. I thought the Leon Cameron comment on crunch time about that, I think you were part of that discussion, weren't mm. you, Dirt? Yes. It was really interesting as well about how he reflects on 2019 and, and just you know, what you do in that year when, after you've lost a grand final and what effect it has. Mm. There is there's this, oh, you almost said it, a creeping assumption. I can't believe I almost said that. There's this assumption that's crept into football that tactics play such a big role in this day and age, you can go out there without being motivated. And if your tactics are sound, you win. Yep. There couldn't be anything further from the truth. Mm. Unless you are motivated to adhere to and apply yourself to the hard work, the principles of that style of work, doesn't matter what tactics mm. you have. There is no golden wand that you can wave and say, this is the tactics and it'll beat anyone. Mm. If you don't bring effort, you don't get near them. And so many coaches and ex-coaches and people who are so prevalent in the football industry are on this side of the fence now saying, you know what, we've heard all this before, but effort is king. Yep. Effort is everything. Yeah, so he defined it as conviction, yep. which was even stronger than That's just right. saying yeah, effort, it was a great wasn't word. It? Yeah, so he had conviction, preparation... And sophistication. And he, he was said resolute that they were sophisticated yep. enough. So that's his own backyard. Uh, so how did you read that when he was almost saying, well, I've done my bit, but they haven't done their bit? Is that what you Yeah. Read? That's well, why I was so was, pointed. Yep. Yeah. It, it, isn't that the coach's job, though, as well, to get the players to do that? Well, that's a very good question. Whose job is it to motivate players? And to me, it's the player's job to motivate players. The coach provides an external force, if you like, but it's not his job to make you turn up and, and want to adhere to the tactics. I can understand you saying job. this, Jared. The only thing I would come against you in opposition is I hear recordings of Alan Jeans now and I listen to them and I get a bit teary, mm. I get a bit nostalgic, and at times I feel like just looking at the nearest door and taking it off the hinges. And I've come to the conclusion... He emotionally got me to do things that I was incapable of motivating myself to do. Now, that is a coach who can motivate you, and that's beyond what self-motivation is. Some people can inspire that in you. Can I, say, can I counter your counter yes. by saying <laughs> that I reckon he got 10%, the top 10 or the top 15, and you may say it was more, but you provided... It's all an assumption. Yeah. You provided the... You know the platform. You were you turned up. You were a willing person to be motivated, and you provided the the guts of the motivation to be, to achieve what you set out to achieve. That's Would, a fair counter. Yeah. <laughs> I can't dispute it because how do you disprove or prove it? Yeah, but my feeling is you can have men, great men, great orators. And history shows it in every facet of life. They can inspire you to things and deeds greater within yourself than you thought possible left to your own devices. Yeah, and once again, I, I would say that's... I, I would accept that at the top end of the pyramid. But, but Bevo at his if, best has done that, hasn't he? But then the aftermath yeah. of his... Well, he did it 2016. It yeah. Was if you haven't got the base there... And we see this in young men, of talented men come into the competition... And they never make it because ultimately they haven't provided the base to be to get the extreme efforts mm. out of. They can't even get the effort. There's the singular matchup tonight, but these are interesting counterpoints to each other. These two teams. So an elimination final that St Kilda won, and they they went to the semi, got beaten by Richmond. The following year, the Bulldogs live the season in the top two, blow it late, have a great final series, lead the grand final as we know into the third quarter. This year, St Kilda are a top four team at halfway and have lost four out of five. The Bulldogs have been in the eight twice so far this season and both times eighth only. So wow. last year, they spent two weeks outside the top four. This year, they've spent two weeks inside the top eight. Yeah, wow. So 
And Didn't know those stats. That's quite what, damning. I where think. are they? Where are the two of them going to be? So I suspect our feeling is the winner might make finals, yeah. but I don't think there's any guarantees in that. I don't feel like either of them's got a role to play. Now they could make a liar of us. Mm. So where are they going? Where are they? What's, I think what's that's the more the term? point. Where are they going? Um, at the moment, I thought Dermot's introduction was pretty much on the money. They're they're eighth and they're ninth. So by nature of that position at the moment, they're average. When you talk to Champion Data and analyze St Kilda, they haven't got a strength. Their midfield's not a strength. Their forward line's not a strength. Their back line gives away way too many goals. They turn the ball over way too much coming out of defence. And yet their best is, we've seen it uh, only two weeks ago against Carlton, when, when it all clicks and, and uh, you know, targets are hit and the pressure is at 2.30, then I think anybody that brings that sort of level of pressure can make anybody look poor if they're you know, slightly off their game. So to ask me where they're at, I think they're both capable in the next year or so of, of playing some big finals, but they're, they're not there yet. The Saints, for me, are high-octane, high-pressure team. That's their best moments. And if they're not high-octane for that, mm. well, their game falls away. They essentially are a blue-collar team. They just happen to have a forward who is capable of being, you know, triple-A rating in, in King. So he... How far is, is he off that turn? Oh, don't think Give he's me his trajectory. That. Give me his flight path. Uh, well, he has to learn how to work his way through situations. I think when the opposition go out there with the definitive plan on how to physically beat him. Mm-hmm. We saw Sydney do it, and he almost didn't get a launch at the footy. You've is he got... showing the learning traits that you'd want to see, or is it a bit, bit early to be making that call one way or the other? I don't think it's early. I think players, the greats, how long has he been in the game now? This is his third year, fourth year maybe? He missed his whole first year, didn't he? Yeah, it's yeah. called his third year. Third year. The greats really show and you know that they're going to be there. I've never seen anyone mark the ball higher off the ground than him. That is, a, that is an asset which is God-given and, yeah, we key forwards pray for that asset. If they ask for one thing, it is let me mark the ball high off the ground. That's the number one thing. He can do that. He's probably the best in the league at doing that. Norton's the best at launching and actually winning it. But that this end, we're talking about King, he is so good at marking the ball off the ground. He has to learn how to manufacture the opportunity for himself to get three or four steps into the ball without contact. Now, that's a skill. That's an art. I, I honestly thought Ruffy would have got that into him. So that's what surprised me about that game against Sydney a couple of weeks ago, that he had that completely taken away from him. They didn't help him either, and I know that. And there's times when you do need help, but I, there, there is a fair bit of learning to go there. Because if I had him down there still, I'd just play a body player and at training and... There's one thing that forwards don't do at training, which they should. Marking forwards, why don't they ever do kick to kick? Because <laughs> it's the old-fashioned, half the time we say, set up down the line, 50 metres, and we, the, the bomb, the long bomb, the bailout option. You know what? That's kick to kick. Yeah. And yet we don't train it. Everything's got to be in motion. So you've got to do extras if you want to get good at that. So I, I assume he's doing that. He does have a lot to learn in those one-on-one contests against a body player who's willing to sacrifice his own jump to turn it into a pushing shove. I saw him do some stuff here uh, against Carlton two weeks ago, and that's what really excited me. It was ground ball stuff on the mm. wing, running at running at a speed I haven't seen him run at uh, for uh, often. Well, that's the, the other ball thing, up Jared. and handball. That's the other thing. He's electric speed. The the one at, in Queensland's quicker. Yeah, but he's. So the ben, one in mate. Queensland, yeah, Ben, is, what's that? His brother, Ben. Yeah, yeah Ben. <laughs> sorry, that's how, yeah, sorry, shocking football vernacular, it was the one. Um, so Ben is, is quicker, he's electric quick. <laughs> Max is just really quick. <laughs> so it's a real asset. And that's another aspect I would think. He, I'd like to see him learn how to take a player into traffic have the ball travel over his head Good towards pace. goal. You turn him, lose him in traffic, and just use that electric pace. The great forwards meet the footy as it's coming to them and win it and can find the ball in flow 
running towards their goals in the same direction. Like, so, to, for instance, to, uh, Stewie Lowe, I think, is the best forward I have seen who comes to meet the football and marks it. Been really but that's the end of his game. To watch how many full forwards, I don't know if this has always been the case, this year have kicked bags of goals in a quarter. Mitch Lewis yep. kicked five and a half, yep. none for the rest of the game. That's <laughs> happened a lot this year. Anyway, Jeff. All right, we're going to touch base with both teams and then broaden our conversation to all that's been taking place in a busy week. We're inside the Dogs camp first with assistant coach Rowan Smith. Rowan, always great to have you with us. We got the boundary mic up. Ooh, Jared, there you got me. Are. Yes, there I finally got into vogue here, mate. Sorry, bud. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> hey, a uh, bit of tension around the pre-game testing today, match day, COVID oh. testing. Did everybody else get through? Everybody else got through, um, which was great. Uh, uh, Jamie Maddox, who's head of development, and myself had to take the uh, the VFL boys for training because uh, they've got uh, a bye this week. So we're into the club early this morning and we we're just praying and uh, and just, yeah, everybody got, everybody got through. Is there a... So you, you lose Hunter, Norton and Shacky to it tonight. Yeah. Is there a sense that this is going to get, be fraught in the next few weeks? Oh, there's a little bit of um, trepidation, I suppose, and you, you just hope, fingers crossed, that it doesn't go through the whole club. Um, we've got three coaches down. We've got Brent Prismal, um, Trav Varco and Matty Spanger are out tonight. So, um, so it's going through the club a little bit, um, but no positive test today is a positive, so, <laughs> <laughs> which will be a good thing. How many lines do you have to look after tonight then? <laughs> uh, no, only the one, only the one, Jerry. So Jamie Maddox, our head of development, he's coming in tonight um, just to coach the forwards and you know, he's, he'll do a terrific job tonight. Rowan, it was uh, pretty tough for uh, any Bulldog supporter last week and the coach didn't miss anybody after the match. How was that followed up upon? It was strong, lack of conviction, was pretty savage, yeah. pretty pointed. But if it's not followed up, which I would be surprised at, it's sort of just words. So how did it play out during the week? Uh, look, Jared, I suppose, um, you know, when you play a game like that, especially the first quarter, um, we were really disappointed. And, and Bevo basically said that it was probably the worst quarter of football under his tenure. Um, yep. And I probably tend to agree with that. And we were really disappointed. But we have full faith in our players and, and we addressed it and, and we spoke open and honestly after the game. And, you know, all, all week has really been, OK, let's have a look at some RFIs and where we can improve, but also focus on what we can do as well. And I think that it's a really important part of, of coaching, um, you know, especially in the modern day player. Um, we you know, really got to stick to the positives and, and we've got true belief in our players. And, you know, our players have proven that if they get a run on, they can actually, you know, you know mix it with everyone in the competition. So... Um, wouldn't surprise us if we come out tonight and, and really fire up. Can I ask what... Uh, g'day, mate. How are you? How Yeah, good on you, bud. Hey, uh, what do you expect from Joshy Bruce tonight? Oh, look, um, honestly, uh, you know him, Derm. Like, I mean, he's a fantastic guy and he's such a great guy to have, you know, have around the footy club. And, yep. and we've missed him. You know, we've missed him sorely. And we've, you know, to have the, the twin towers in him and Norts up in the forward line, we're going to miss Norts tonight as well, obviously. But, you know, Brucey coming back into the side, you could see the... The social media, and now the boys get around their social media and everything like that, but um, the excitement and the genuine excitement that the boys have, him coming back into the side tonight, we'll just lift him. Um, you know, just his presence, his work ethic. Um, you know, he's got a massive tank. He'll he'll just he'll run his backside off tonight, and he'll help, help our um, you know, young you know, forwards up there as well with Jamara and, and those guys and Jordan Sweet, you know, coming into the team. He'll play a little bit forward tonight, so he'll bring his experience tonight for sure, Dan. So you touched on it then. He does have a massive tank, but we yeah. saw, we have seen him when he comes back from a prolonged stay on the injury line, uh, over the line. Yep. Uh, it takes a while to get back to that massive tank engine. How do you find he is tracking uh, no, he's been, you know, he's been training really well. Um, it's really, it's hard to get a gauge because, you know, when they come back in, they play VFL, might play on a smaller ground, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it looks like he's moving really well. He's moving well at training. Tonight will be the real test for him. And there's no doubt, Dern, that he's going to blow up at some stage um, because he will really push himself. Just watching probably the first 10 minutes, he'll be blowing. Um, but, uh, you know, but he, the, the way that, as I said, the way that he comes into the game, brings his enthusiasm, um, that'll make up for it. Now, it's not a scared thing, but it, every team fears the opposition's best aspects. What do you fear in the Saints? If it clicks for the Saints, what do you fear from the Saints? Oh, look, Dern, to be totally honest, like, I mean, they're a pretty good side. Um, you know, you look at the, the combination, Ryder-Marshall, 
Um, it's pretty dangerous, isn't it? But then you've got mm. um, King, Marshall, Ryder and Membry all up in their forward line too. So I'm coaching the defenders mm. and they're going to have their work cut out tonight. Um, but we've had a really good talk this week and um, uh, you might, uh, <laughs> you'll might see a little bit of a spike hopefully tonight. Oh, good, good. <laughs> we're, we're, we're on Smithy's <laughs> Smithy watch. Uh, <laughs> Smithy no, spike. Uh, the, 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 look, the boys, we've been really disappointed the way that we've played the last couple of weeks, uh, the way that we've defended as a team, and that's me included. And, um, and yeah, we've had some really good discussions, and we had a great training session the other day. We had a really good meeting yesterday, and they're all fired up for tonight. So, uh, and we're all observing from this side. Would I be able to say that some of your key backmen have been trailing around a yeah. little bit too much more than being a touch proactive? Yeah, spot on, Derm. Like, we, did you have a camera in our uh, little room this week? Um, <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> talked about being proactive, not reactive. Yeah. And it's a big thing for us. You know, we, the way that we defend, we defend as a team. Um, you know, a little bit more heat around the footy without, from our midfielders not, but will help. Um, but, uh, you know, for us as a defensive group, we need to be really assertive. We need to help each other in the air. We need to help each other on the ground. Um, but, yeah, really getting back to that proactivity. I love that, Smithy. We, we, we talk about the ends. The backmen stop the score so they're winning the game. The forwards say we, we score. And the midfielders win the Brownlow, but when anything <laughs> goes wrong, we blame it on the midfield. They haven't given us enough protection. <laughs> that's it, exactly. I like it. <laughs> not enough supply or not enough protection. Uh, that's right, mate. <laughs> well done. Now, Smithy, you go down as the uh, greatest ever halfback flanker that I've seen of the Western Bulldogs. <laughs> but oh, there's one bloke trailing you pretty harsh in Bailey Dale. Oh, he's just a super player, isn't he? You, what would you like to see him get better at to sort of make a genuine challenge at your mantle? Uh, well, he probably defends a little bit better than me, probably as well. But uh, look, look, Bales, the last Come two on, years... Come on, Smithy, your mum defended better than you. <laughs> <laughs> she certainly did, Derm. Um, but look, like, uh, look, Bailey's just been an outstanding player. And, and really, like, I mean, the way that we defend is the way that we attack as well. And, yep. and he's a genuine attacking halfback flanker. Um, yeah, I'd like to get him a little bit better, um, you know, boxing out, a drop a ball, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, taking a few more intercept marks, flying when he's free. Um, so that, that'll make his game grow as well. But, geez, um, uh, Jared, he's, he's turned himself into just a sensational player. Yep. And that's why probably Sydney put a little bit of time and effort into him last week with young Clark. Yeah, and I think they did a good job. And yeah, they did, mate. On the reverse, I mean, I can't believe people come into matches and let... Uh, Sinclair and Hill run free off their half-back line. To me, one of the great elements tonight is how much pressure your forward line can produce on St Kilda's back half. I mean, even the coaches said publicly this week, I mean, their turnovers coming out of defensive 50 have killed them at so many times in the last month. Yeah, and that's something we probably pride ourselves on, Jared. to be honest, with that Team D aspect. Um, if our forward line can really put apply that pressure, mm. you know, the tackles inside our forward 50, um, you know, we call them forward 50 sacks um, because they're just worth so much. Um, so if we can get that front line D right tonight, put them under pressure and we can win that footy in back in our half and then we can score, it's a big part of the way that we score. I've got a theory, Smithy, it might just be nonsense, but I reckon every club is going to have pressure above 200 because I reckon every club would have seen the State of Origin game (laughs) and Queensland winning that game which proved that if you can bring that level of pressure you can bring down Goliath. How good was it? Like I was glued to the TV the other night. I actually couldn't uh, turn it off. It was just sensational but you are spot on and and it is all about pressure Um, but it's also like when we talk about as a club you know, setting up defence to win the footy back as quick as we can. You don't want to be chasing all the time. Mm. So um, that pressure really helps you to win the footy back as quick as you can, and, and that's the way that we'll play tonight, mate. Rowan, great uh, great to catch up with you. You've that, set the scene perfectly for us. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Don't you, Smithy? Rowan Smith down on the boundary inside the Bulldogs camp. So we're on alert. We now know what we're looking for yep. on one side of the ball. Yep. He's very good, Rowan Smith. I think he, he's just been a great of the, that club. He was a fantastic state of origin player. Played with his heart on his sleeve, yep. Dermot, um, and he'd be a fantastic bloke in the club. And he's pretty open and honest. And very open he, tonight. He opened uh, and owned everything that's gone wrong. And you'd expect a pretty uh, a pretty savage bulldog. And obviously tonight. Derm was down there during the week because he knew what was going on. So we're going to we line in the sand type game for them tonight, is it, Derm? Hunter. Speaking like of under pressure, you want to see Hunter when he gets home without the correct amount of pay, Eloise. <laughs> and there's a man under pressure. 
You, you've never felt it like that before. You're under pressure every week on Thursday <laughs> evenings, Ado. Whatever, do. <laughs> it's AFL Victoria Road Safety Round bound, bound, band together for Road Safety Round. This weekend is wherever you are, football, netball, right across the state of Victoria. There are blue armbands that will be available as we as we come together as a sporting community to do our bit for awareness around the road toll. And Brett Ratton's been right at the forefront of that. And we'll discuss that before this match begins as well. It's the Bulldogs and the Saints. We'll be inside the Saints camp next on the AFL Nation pregame show. The Beaumont Tiles huge sale is on right now. Friday night footy with a real edge as the Bulldogs and the Saints come together. They're ninth and 10th on the ladder. So you don't need to know much more than that to realise what's at stake. On AFL Nation, we're in the Coates Hire commentary box. Coates, we're more than higher. We're equipped for anything. Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Dermot Burton and Jared Healy. We've just been in the Bulldogs camp. We're now in the Saints coaches box with assist the uh, midfield coach, Ben McGlynn. Ben, great to have you on AFL Nation. Thanks, Jared. Good evening to all. How do you go with the, um, with the match day testing? Has everyone else got through their, their, COVID, um, their COVID worries? Uh, yeah, I think so. I've only just rocked up probably 10 minutes ago. But, um, yeah, all reports, everyone got through the, um, the test. That's, uh, that's good to hear. Just a little bit of breaking up there, Benny. How are you yeah, going there, mate? Dermot here. Can, can you jump? A, oh, let's just take a punt. One metre to your right. <laughs> How's that? Yeah, we've done that, so perfect. <laughs> Beautiful. We go. And you're coming through loud and clear. I would imagine when you're going through the pre-match um, match-ups and you've got the whiteboard down there at Linton Street, I'm tipping there was a sigh of relief when there was no name Norton on the opposition. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so COVID's helped us there, but um, you know Josh Bruce comes in to replace him, so still a still a threat as well. So it would have been nice if both of them were out, but um, you know our, our defenders will will take care of hopefully Bruce coming in. But um, yeah, obviously good for our match committee that Norton isn't playing. So on that whiteboard, if I you know there's so many words up there. What's in red ink on the whiteboard? Uh, in red ink uh, tonight will be pressure. So. You know, we let ourselves down in the second half last week in turn, around the contest. Um, we're right in the game against Frio. We had to adjust a few things, but you know, we coughed the ball up. We didn't pressure them enough, um, and they showed us um, you know, what the level needs to be at to, um, to win close games and win these games at the end of the year to you know, you know, work out if you want to play finals or not. So pressure tonight, and we know the Bulldogs play that style. So, um, yeah, it'll be a good contest. So... so- us on the outside, we look in, and, we, and our synopsis is: if St Kilda are to win games, they have to bring high pressure. They essentially they are a blue collar team with a, a sprinkling of really good players in there, but they're a good blue collar team. The captain is blue collar; he, he just does those things. He's heroic the way he goes about it. Why have you been inconsistent in that area during this season? Then, yeah, good question. Um, also, a bit of personnel in and out. We lost Steel for you know. Th- four or five weeks there who, um, you know, leads away in that area. We haven't had Jaron out there and, you know, he's obviously yep. typifies what, what, um, how you should play the game. Um, but yeah, look, we've been inconsistent. We're still building in terms of our on-field leaders, um, you know, in games when we need them to step up, they probably have gone missing a little bit, which is, you know, it's all growth for them, but, um, we need all, all 20, 21 or 22 players actually, you know, contributing, not just, you know, not the leaders. So, Hopefully tonight you see a bit more of a, a better effort around the ball, um, but all over the ground with our contest. Ben, focusing on errors can uh, lead to more errors. So you've got a problem at the present time getting the ball out of your defensive 50 and not turning it over. Some of it's skill, some of it's decision-making. How, how do you address that without making it more complicated or uh, focusing on it so the uh, monkey on the shoulder becomes a gorilla? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit like goal-kicking. I think if you just don't focus on it, then you start kicking them. So... Now we, we put a little bit of work in during the week. Um, we obviously want to get get our wingers back and mids back to help out. Um, you know the defenders to move the ball out. Yep. Um, opposition teams are doing that, um, so we've we obviously got to you know lift our work rate to get back and support the defenders, um, especially from the midfield group, um, and also just releasing the pressure. Just finding an easy mark sometimes is is the best option, and not trying to you know invent the wheel and trying to pull off kicks that aren't really there but so hopefully we obviously want to give our guys freedom um, but also in the defensive half it's it's a bit risky to be you know pulling kicks off into the corridor so just take release the pressure take an easy one and then set the field up are you putting some heat on Bailey Dale 
Um, well, he, yeah, he's obviously had a pretty good, pretty good year so far, and we saw last week what Swans did. Um, so we'll, all our forwards have got a got a role to play, um, and he'll definitely be one that we'll be watching and, and trying to stop his rebound. And you know, you can't do much about kick-ins; they all they get a stat these days from just stepping over the line. So. We just got to be mindful of the numbers, but yeah, we got to take his influence out of the game, definitely. Hey Ben, I'm going to give you one from left field. You're an assistant coach. Who gets the North Melbourne job? <laughs> oh, no idea, no idea. Come um, on, have an opinion. <laughs> hey, oh well, I understand that you know they want a, a tried, a proven coach, but um, you know every coach has got to be have a first crack at it. So I'd, I'd be, uh, I'd be looking far and wide, and, and not just pigeonhole into um, proven coaches because. The game has changed and um, it looks like they're a younger group, so a young coach might be the go. What are your aspirations? Definitely not senior coaching. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. No, no chance, mate. Not nah. ever? No, no, no way. Nah. Why? Why? Oh, just too much pressure. I would prefer just to be uh, do my work in the background, not, not a big one for the limelight or um, have the attention. Just like to work hard and get the best out of the players around me and, and do the best I can for the footy club. But it's an interesting conversation because I would say to you that some of the greatest coaches this game has ever seen are that personality. Yep. Don't seek limelight, like to be in the background, but they also played the game the way you do too. Now, I know there's so much more in it, but the personality lends itself to somebody who's more giving to others to have that limelight. Yeah, I, I guess so. All the great coaches have, have proven that. Um, but, yeah, that's not in my uh, horizon at the moment. So um, I'm just happy doing what I'm doing. Things can change. <laughs> ben, can I, can I ask you what you're trying to achieve at the centre bounce structurally? And are you trying to hit it to your advantage? Are you trying to hit it forward? Are you trying to knock it in a particular spot? Obviously, it's all dictated by where the ball is, but... How structured are you in there, or are you just playing every ball as it comes? No, we do a lot of homework around the centre bounce. I think we've we've seen with the six, six, and six that rule coming in. It's just you know getting out of centre bounces is pretty important to get the ball in your front half. Um, we're very fortunate; we've got two good ruckmen, you know, Paddy and, and Rowan Marshall, who can you know hopefully give ourselves uh, give our mids um, first use. Um, but we we study the Bulldogs. We study every opposition. Um, what what are their trends? Um, and then we look at how it structures up against our preferred options. Um, we've got a few to go through, but if, if, if one option matches their, their strengths and we can take away their hit spot as well as get ours open, um, yep. that's what we do. But, yeah, we, we give, leave it up to the players a little bit once the game starts. Um, by the time you send a message down from the, the coach's box and it gets to the bench, you might miss a centre bounce or two. Um, so hopefully, you know, they do enough homework during the week. We do walkthroughs on our captain's run. Um, so they're well equipped to, to see what's what's happening, and if they're on top, then they've got the license to keep exploring. Do you have a preference to go forward, or do you have a preference just to play it as it is? And if you have to go sideways, fair enough. Or it seems to me that the best sides at the present time are taking the forward option at every occasion. Yeah, look, we, we've we looked at that early in the year. We were our, a lot of our entries were wide outside the the arcs. Um, obviously, there's pressure inside, but. We've looked at, to try and explore that forward handball, but you've got to have someone rock up to that position, and you know we want to support the ball and get our numbers around that. So sometimes that option's not on, but you know we've got two half backs that we're pretty um, attacking in Sinclair and Hill. So yep. if they rock up, then we want to be giving them the footy, and, and they can take the take the territory from there. Um, but also a wide exit into your front half is is still a good result. And within the club, a significant moment, obviously, with Jaron Geary announcing his retirement. How did that? How did that play out? Was that an emotional time for for everyone? Yeah, it was. He, he um, you know, probably typically the way he went about it during the week. He tried to train early in the week to just to get a game, um, you know, in the VFL or just have have some form of you know last game, but. Uh, he couldn't even get through training. His shoulders uh, has to go in for operation. But, you know, he gave himself every chance to, to try and get back and maybe play a game towards the end of the year. And you wouldn't expect anything less from Gears. He just is 100% committed to, you know, you know to the club and, and, and what he's done, you know, for this football club and the leadership that he's shown over the, you know, the number of years he's been there. Then uh, it's been, been great. And, you know, a lot of the boys, it, was a, it wasn't a dry eye in the... In the rooms on uh, uh, yesterday, so yeah, look, it was 
you know, pretty emotional, but you know, he won't be lost to the football club. He'll definitely have a role to play uh, the rest of this year and hopefully beyond. Terrific, Ben. Good to have you with us, and good luck for what's to come tonight. No worries. Thanks, gents. I don't ben McGlynn from the coaching staff at the Saints. Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel-efficient diesel all-wheel drive models, are now in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. We'll focus back in on the Bulldogs and the Saints in the minutes leading up to the opening siren, the full preview and all the possibilities contained within. But it has been, it's been a huge week off-field and uh, North Melbourne parting company with their coach, David Noble, after 38 games and a, a certain contract in Sydney, which has had people transfixed over the past 36 hours or so. You've had plenty to say on the feedback lines. When AFL Nation takes your feedback across the weekend, it will be on the Southern Phone open line. Stay in touch with Southern Phone mobile plans. we get the thoughts of Jared Healy and Dermot Burton on all that's transpired between round 17 and 18 next. It's AFL Victoria Road Safety Round, where your support for road safety at the footy this weekend. Search TAC Band Together. Where your support for road safety at the footy this weekend. Search TAC Band Together. We've got the blue armbands in the box with us tonight uh, to support the cause and to rally behind Brett Ratton, who's one of the ambassadors for it. Dermot Brereton and Jared Healy in place tonight. It, it has been a busy week in footy. That's true. Anytime a coach loses his job, it was David Noble this week as North Melbourne uh, decided, to, in their words, it just isn't working and after 38 games at the helm of a rebuild, he is no more, Jared. Well, I think they got that element of it right, that it's not working. What they haven't got right is why it's not working. And that's what they need to address. And maybe they haven't got the right people in there to address it. Obviously, Walshie will uh, play a big role in that, and that's going to to help them. But they, they've made so many mistakes, this club, over a, a long period of time, that we're now at a position where, like Melbourne were before Ruse turned up, uh, before Jackson turned up, there were people out there willingly telling the AFL they don't want their kid drafted to that club. And that's why Gil McLaughlin got involved, because it had the potential of really bringing, not bringing a draft down, but certainly, you know, fracturing it to some degree. And North Melbourne will be, you know, they're starting to get into that position where people are going to be hoping not to get drafted to that particular club. And that's bad for the competition, it's bad for the AFL, it's bad for North Melbourne and it's bad for those kids that get there because there's there's not the platform, it seems, for them to be able to develop because we haven't seen those kids develop. There's some talent there, Dermot, but it's not coming through for lots of reasons. Midfield talent. There's a lot of midfield yeah. talent. They lack at both ends of the ground. Lark is good, but they lack elsewhere at both ends of the ground. There's a difference between not wanting to get drafted by a club and telling recruiters, I do not want to mm. play with you. There's a difference in the way that is spoken and delivered by the young man. And that's when you've got issues with your club. Mm. I think that's, that, that, that's an area. So it's a big decision, whoever they get as coach, but it's only one of yeah. half a dozen decisions. Because that club needs to, it needs to reinvent itself and... and, and Find but David Noble was gathered to that club because he was somebody who was seen to have assisted greatly mm. in the rebuild of the Brisbane Lions. Do it here, as the and, and, and yeah, and be and be your own man. You can build this, but they didn't want to go along with him. Now I look at it, and you've got some senior players there who have never really been champions. I'll put Cunnington in that, but we haven't seen him this year, which don't discount how important that has been to North Melbourne or how much that's had an effect on them. But some of those senior players, oh, they're brittle-ish types of league footballers who are getting fairly heavy-handed scolding about the way they're playing and they don't want to deal with it. And then the young kids that come in don't want to deal with what might be a mini step back to yesteryear in the way that the message is delivered to them, mm. I'd say harden up a bit. Harden up. It's, this is a robust, brutal sport and people have different management styles. 
You've got to go with the bloke. You've got to back the bloke in that the club has gone for. And I, I, I find a real an oversensitivity. I think there is an oversensitivity within that playing group, and they don't deserve to have that right. So what, what do they need now then? To... Well, they do. Let's be honest. When 18 teams run out each weekend, if you're listing on paper, on paper, if you're listing which is the most talented group to the 18th most talented group, they're 18th every week. Even the Eagles probably run out with more talent, but they're just so is it worth they're getting... just dysfunctional at the moment because of what's happened to them over the so last. So you're better years. to get Clarko and put X percentage into getting Clarko, the notional best coast coach out there available, or you're better to get someone like Ben McGlynn said and a younger, but then you can you can pay for another two or three to support just to try and fast track that development as much as possible. Y- yeah, uh, my belief in this scenario, having gone through it couple of times with the Hawks is take the pain while the while the competition's going to allow you to and I I think they're going to take a bit more pain yet and live through that I think you could understand what the coaches like uh, Mark Williams and Clarko they are fantastic but when it gets hard and tough if you're walking out of your office into a corridor and you see Clarko or or, or Mark Williams coming the other way, you duck back into your office and close the door because you don't want to confront them. They give it to everyone in the club. They absolutely <laughs> verbally give it to everyone. And I mean give it to everyone. They are difficult to be around. And if you're down the bottom, everyone feels that around the club. Now, do you, have, do you deserve to have a happy place to play football? It makes it a nicer place to be around. Perhaps you deserve to have your... Have your little backside scolded every time you come across a person of authority if you're not playing to your full potential. But you've got to be careful about bringing somebody into an environment. You've got to know your environment. You've got to know your DNA. You've got to know the players, what they are going to put up with, stomach, and will they thrive in that environment. What do you think, Jared? What are they... I think you and I are the same. Is is the Messiah coach is one thing, but if they can't get there, I listened to your interview with Peter Jackson during mm. the week, and he's my reference point. Is they haven't had their Peter Jackson moment. No, they haven't, and it's sad. And that's why I got Peter Jackson on, and I thought he was a fantastic interview because he just took us back to his views about Melbourne, and he didn't sort of point the bone at North Melbourne. He didn't go that far, but we asked him what he thought was the major appointments at uh, at Melbourne, and. Ultimately, he thinks that your list management is the number one priority. Number two is list management. And number three is list management. And clearly, you've got to then put around the, the people that are there, the best coaching personnel you can get, which which is really the interest to me, which way you go. Because Ben Mafio said during the week that they're paying 100% of their soft cap. And fortunately, they're going to get another 500000 I think, for next year. But... If, let's say, the outgoing coach was on 500, well, then Clarko comes in, for instance, and he takes up the extra 500 because he's the million-dollar coach. I mean, the question is, are you better off going for the $600,000 Adam Uzo or the $500,000 Adam Uzo and getting another two Adam Uzo types who are potentially senior coaches down the track? I think that they right now need a senior coach with... Authority and Clarko to me would be outstanding. I think Choco Williams would be outstanding for a period of time, and I, th- I think he's been underutilised in that role. Um, and, and clearly, you know, if you get Lane Buckley, etc., that'd be all fantastic. But I don't think they're they've got their hand up for the job. But it's 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 not as uh, Benny McGlynn said. It's not beyond a young bloke coming through and making his mark. But you've got to get the foundation and the and the appointments around him right and at the moment it wouldn't appear as if it is right and in terms of the list and where they're at at the moment and how many years oh look it's this is the issue for me with the the game itself those kids should not have to and there's some unknown quantities there because we just haven't seen them in a structure that allows them to flourish but to me it takes too long to rebuild a list and, and that's unfair on the 18-year-old kid who turns up at the No Hope Club. Um, 
because it might take them five or six years and they may develop bad habits in that period of time or get totally disillusioned and, and want to go home. So to me, Gil needs to address this at the draft and, um, and make it much easier to go from hopeless to winning eight games a season because the supporters, you win five games and they can see eight the following year, they're on board. I mean, everybody's on board. But uh, I think their list just needs to have some, some key people added into it. They cut too hard. They took senior personnel out. And they, they need some sort of B-grade warriors in there that are just going to sort of stabilise for a period of time to allow these young blokes with talent to come through. Crows are a good study as well, I think, for later. In the footy record this weekend, there's the tale of the two coaches who have just been re-signed, Stuart Jew and Brett Ratton. Uh, and we're going to see Rats in action tonight. Our, our Coats hire commentary team tonight, Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Dermot Burton, Jared Healy. Coats... We're more than higher. We're equipped for anything. Friday night footy, the Western Bulldogs and St Kilda. Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful fuel-efficient diesel all-wheel drive models are now in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy and Dermot Burton assessing all that's transpired in footy across the week. Um, what do you make of the Franklin contract kerfuffle, Jared Healy? Well, I first saw it and I thought, wow, have a look at this. And then I did the numbers and I thought, that can't be right. No one's going public if there's a disparity of $200,000. 500000 isn't a low ball offer. I mean, I, I looked at it and I, I could see where it was going to go and it turned into a magnificent water cooler discussion. Everybody, every website and every journalist had a say, but I think more has been written about this non-story than any other one this year. And I think it made sense to a lot of people because of another non-story, and that is that Dustin Martin is going to go to the Tigers. So it was... To the Swans? To the, uh, to the Swans. So it was, I don't know, it was a really interesting insight. I, I don't think... I think it's going to be 100% uh, resolved very, very quickly. And I don't think that there was the disparity that, um, that the article suggested between the two, which I'm pleased about because I think the initial reaction was negative for Buddy. And, and Buddy doesn't deserve a negative reaction if, he's, if he hasn't been party to it. And I'm sure he hasn't been party to it. There's a... I don't think that Lance has an option, but to actually, let me rephrase that. Everybody has the right to maximise their earning potential. Mm. And I think there will be a, some form of a small disparity in, 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 the, in between the want and the will that we will give you. I think it'll be sorted out quite soon, quite amicably, and we're probably looking for something because it's the biggest name in football mm. to make the biggest story. But, uh, yeah, there has to be some disparity there. Otherwise, it doesn't... It, I well, won't say it doesn't hit the news because sometimes news is made out of thin air. But this one, I, yeah, I don't think you can make this out of thin air. There, there, there has to be a a non-meeting point here at this present time. What, what was but, most but, interesting to me was how you actually assess what he's worth. Mm. Yeah, but irrespective, just get back to Dermot's point. Yeah. As Scott Benerbury said to me last night, it's a negotiation. And by, by virtue of that, you're here and they're there. Yeah. They're, the distance, the disparity between where he was and where they are, even if you accept the numbers on the paper, which I'm told are incorrect, it was so minute, there's no way knowing you should be going public with that. I mean, whoever in the camp or whichever third party thought it was a good idea to convince Robbo it was 100% right. Well, where do you think that came from? I've got no idea. How well, would you know? Well, the greatest leaks, <laughs> and it's in their interest to leak it, the greatest leakers in the footballing industry are the player managers. So you make up your own mind. But, if but, it's the player manager who leaked it, I'd be getting a new player manager. Because mm, all it did was make Buddy look greedy. It yep. did, initially. Initially. But there's all... When you think about it, if you were sitting there... You're saying, how do we maximise this? What's the one threat you can put over them to maximise it? Exit. And that's the only threat they played. But if they got, played it that but way. But he's got that, he has got that without going public. And that's why it didn't, it just didn't smell right to me, this whole thing. Because my understanding is the deal is not far away from being done. I so, would think so too. Yeah. So how it ended into the public hemisphere or sphere 
is is I mean I can understand if the if the person sounds right and legitimate, I can understand why Robbo ran with it. And clearly that's what happened. But when I looked at the numbers I thought that doesn't look right. For two hundred. For two hundred. Less taxes, you're down to a hundred already. Then there's wriggle room. So it it just didn't and and you're not I mean, which club's going to trump up eight hundred thousand dollars, and which person is going to leave? It just, I don't know. Didn't I saw you had Sammy on during the week? Wasn't there? But I heard Sammy's comment, um, Sammy Mitchell, and he told me he he mentioned in the paper when he was ringing around all the old twenty threes who should wear it, and I said, oh, what did Lance say? And he said, Lance said he'd wear it. He told me back in <laughs> February, I'm happy to wear it if you pay the right money. <laughs> Your point, Hardy. So the intellectual exercise of Buddy Holds' status was in the game, uh, the on-field, the off-field, and then coming into a season as a 36-year-old, what's the right number? I was, I, I'm, I'm as transfixed by that as anything. Yeah. What did you think it was? Uh, I don't really. I mean, it, it depends on the player's attitude and what they see beyond footy. I mean, they could, with a nudge and a wink, say, we want you here for a, to be part of this footy club for the next 20 years and you can be an ambassador, you can be all these sort of things. So given how much he's already earned, like for the Swans, that are, like that, like what you're saying, that, that amount, should, they should be able to work it out. But just cold, hard facts. How much is the marketing value of Buddy Franklin now? Is it Take that away, Hutto. Take... No, but that's, that's no, part no, no, of it. No, but I say, let's park that. In the equation, right now, if, if put a bag over his head, whatever you want to do, just give him another name. What you think he's capable of next year in a blank description, what's that worth in playing terms? I'd pay him more than Daniel McStay. That's a fair call. So, but, and if he's being talked in the mid-600s, that's the problem with the market. But then you're starting to get into Daniel McStay's probably got another seven or eight years left. Yeah. And Lance has I'd got one Buddy to two. i two rather than Daniel for the two <laughs> of his natural I love this when you enter into it like this because this is now when you're getting into board selection areas. So you'd go for the two-year player if to I'm win a premiership. If I'm spending it on Buddy for one guaranteed and the hope of two rather than, than McStay. Okay. If I've quarantined that money and Buddy's suddenly gettable, I'm, I'm in that market today. You're going to meet but a lot of opposition As a player, board. Jerry? Yeah. Just as a player? Like, or as a, because of his, what he brings to the footy club as well? Uh, every measure. Your 650, though, to move him is 500 to stay. Now, that's, so that's the problem with the market. That's right, but correct. You've got a, you got a but if, crowbar But if Colin would have quarantined 650 grand yep. for Daniel McStay... I'll spend that on Buddy in a heartbeat. Okay. If you're Buddy and you've got 500 to stay in Sydney, and let's just say that, he's going to get more, I'm sure. Are you moving for 75 after tax? Ch- cheap thrill at the end, playing for Collingwood? He might get Jeremy? the chief. chief. <laughs> oh, Very that's cheap thrill. nasty. <laughs> <laughs> now, that, that was a no, keep the I, career alive. I think he will... I actually think it's really important he finishes. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think both club and player will... Sort that out. Yeah, I don't... I, don't. I think I, even Hawthorne would like him to finish at Sydney. They, yeah. We view his legacy yeah. also because he is a good club man. Yeah. But if you run the exercise through to its end point, is, I could see... I look at Gold Coast and go, they're doing this with Marbio Chole and Levi Casbolt. Well, give me Ben King and Buddy for two years. Mm. I mean, they're on the cusp of having their best season with that and the potential to do this. is If Buddy's asking price is... Only six hundred and fifty. Mm. I think most clubs could find six hundred and fifty. Yeah, that's, that's true, but it, it, for Buddy, his legacy is more important than a cheap thrill. Exactly. Yeah. That's and, very true. That's very and, true. And and to me, as you rightly pointed out, he was the big loser on day one of that uh, that exercise. So, Hado, if I'm calling him John Citizen. And he turns up in a Swans jumper next year. What I think he's capable of, I think his market value would be around four hundred. But then we put the Lance Franklin title on him, and I think that's got to be worth another two two hundred and fifty to the Swans for so the marketability. To, to transfer it across to say another player, for example, if Joel Selwood or someone of his who doesn't have that same marketing but has that amazing legacy at a footy club, if he wants to play on next year. And Geelong agreed to him play. I think he might retire. Who knows? But what's he worth? Do, because he's always been paid, you know, a substantial amount of money. Do, what's he, he worth go... to who? Sorry? What's he worth to, to who? Well, 
to what July. His worth in I, the I can't see him going yeah. to another club unless he went to North. Say he thought he had two more years and went to North, something like that. Well, this is this is the greatness of Buddy. Even the great Joel Selwood doesn't live in Buddy's hemisphere as a as an influencer, if you like. Buddy is such a superstar. He he crosses borders. He's a big name wherever he goes. He's, there's very few in our sport that have been able to cross the Barassi line, as they used to call it. Barassi was one. He was probably the first. There's been fewer. Kappa was another one. The superstars like Dermot, who played in grand final after grand final, they were known in Sydney. But, I mean, Buddy Franklin and Tony Lockett, they are rare. You know, they are rare beasts that have a huge influence in a market that yesterday in the Sydney Morning Herald had not one line about Buddy Franklin. Mm. Not one line was written about Buddy Franklin in the Sydney Morning Herald. We might play a bit of old bull, old bull, Max. <laughs> this is the <laughs> AFL Nation. How about some more bull <laughs> The Beaumont Tiles huge sale is on right now. The Bulldogs and the Saints are warming up in front of us ahead of Friday night footy. We have Dermot Burton and Jared Healy in place, so we play a bit of old bull, old bull. It's usually old bull, young bull when Nathan Jones is here. We're full of bull tonight. So, um, origin first. Jared, did you watch... Origin on Wednesday night? I did. I saw two great contests this week. One was MasterChef on Tuesday <laughs> night where Billy McKay came from nowhere at halftime. She was down. She was almost six goals down at halftime and she stormed home with a near-perfect sweet. And then I saw... What was Bill, the sweet, Jared? Um, can't quite get the name of it, but uh, it, was, it was, had to be 10 out of 10. She got okay. two nines. She got two nines. And two tens for a perfect score. In fact, no, she got three nines and one ten. Sorry, sorry to ask the follow-up question. Then, Are those shows about cooking or the contest? No, there's too much crying and too much hugging in them. But uh, ultim- ultimately, it was a, had a scoreboard. So it primed me for State of Origin. And I was so grateful that uh, MasterChef wasn't on it. Because otherwise, I wouldn't have control of the yeah, TV. Yeah. And to watch that game, that game is going to be shown for many, many years as an inspiration. It was... It was. We talk about pressure here, and we see what you know. Two hundred and thirty years. Well, they were equivalent three hundred for the whole night. Three. It was the only way they were going to get through Queensland. It had everything. They they missed players. The big names didn't play, so they couldn't win. Then they got concussion for two players. They certainly couldn't win. And then some no-name kids bobbed in and just electrified the place. And it, it was just, it was the best TV, the best reality show I've seen for a long, long time. And uh, MasterChef was a distant second in the end. So Old Bull, was our origin ever quite that good, do you reckon? Because oh. this, that was, it's as good a sport as there's been this year. We, we have had origin games just as exciting, but I have never seen an origin game where and maybe I'm looking at it through the eyes of Victorian and not the South Australians, because they had some incredible wins. So we would have had a couple. If you were a South Australian, you would have had a similar experience, I'm sure, a couple of the times uh, when you know they snuck home by a point after the siren or, or close enough to. But that's one of the greatest, if not the outside of the uh, John Bertrand's underdog win, that's one of the greatest underdog wins I've ever seen in any sport in this yeah. country. It's only put on so that New South Wales can fall through the trap. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they still don't realise their place in things. Oh, do that's they? right. It makes me laugh. So all I can think about Jared was was Ray Warren who made the decision to, to stop calling it the, the big games. Was he at home calling in front of the oh, TV? Yeah. 100%. He was, no, he was at home throwing bananas at the TV. <laughs> so I saw some social media posts saying, "Didn't uh, didn't Johnsy cop it well? <laughs> what, what happened there? What did he do?" He cl- essentially closed the broadcast with. So I'm going to have to put up with all this Queensland BS, which he said straight out for the next 12 months. <laughs> it was and so And they launched great. anyway. Jimmy Wilson uh, got on the yeah. front foot, started, <laughs> started throwing haymakers. Uh, yeah, what what did you guys think of it? It was, it was extraordinary yeah. sport. Yeah. Um, to, play, to be played at such a level, and not ju- it wasn't just base mm. brutality. and th- there, was, um, there was strategy. Yep. The, the 40-20 kick and the sheer athleticism. So it, it had a lot more than I think rugby league usually yep. gives you. Yep. Skill, artistry, daring do, brutality, punch on. 
Um, it, it had the lot. It it's did. so had rare some, you see an event like that. Had some young kids like Ponga just, I mean, what a player he would be in our game. His step. Dermot, I think we've been the victims of a similar loss over uh, the Bicentenary Grand Final in 1988. 88. 88 <laughs> where the whole of South Australia were there and they all wanted to kick a Vic. And we were the favourites, as usual, going in. But uh, we got slaughtered. It was in May. And, I mean, the, the, um, I don't know, the, the, the cauldron of hatred for Victoria would uh, have been similar, I'm sure. But, uh, no, this was, this was incredible. It was a different era, though. There, well, there's then, no way we can capture anything no. like that, is there? Well, the talkback radio, when we were there in 88, you'd listen to... You'd be in a car and you'd hear the radio. The talkback radio... The way they would talk about Victoria, you would put that person, you'd dump them off air now. <laughs> just the yeah. hatred, the pure spite and yeah, hatred. Yeah. And that was his I mean, most welcome on KG <laughs> and Cornsey show. Yeah. KG, he fired half of it up. Yeah. They <laughs> were holding up bed sheets with paintings on them of Victorians getting their heads and throats cut. and so It was just vile. And, yep. and it was like, oh, yeah, let's go to our next caller. He <laughs> wants to take a shotgun there. It was, just, it was just, you just could not allow that type of hatred to, 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 to survive in this day and age. It was unfathomable for this standard. Um, could you pay tribute to Paul Deere for us, Dan? Uh, could I? I can attempt, but he's yeah. I, I won't be doing it any justice. As a person, wonderful, wonderful man, really good guy, really good guy. He came to the club and he was one of these. You know, they say ruckman take a while, but he wasn't a ruckman. He was an undersized ruckman slash key position. They say he was listed at one eighty eight. He was about one ninety, but I can remember him coming in. We used to have a laughter, and back in our day, when you were a good team, as you guys were as well, you'd come in. He, the coach, would give you not four weeks off; he'd give you eight weeks. Keep yourself neat and tidy. Come in after eight weeks and present yourself. Let's rip into pre-season. We will rip in. It was the hardest eight, ten weeks you'll ever do. Now, Deary had come in, and a few of the other boys, and we called it the Fat Club because we had the skinfold tests and. You're aiming for around sub-50 of the, the sum total of your skin folds. And the Fat Club was over, I think, over 75 or 80. And there were three I can remember. Dipper, Paul Cooper and Deary. And Deary came in at six foot three, you know, 190 centimetres and stood on the scars. He was 108. <laughs> he was 108. And, but he was just monster big. Harvey Goodman, he won a silver medal at the Commonwealth Games in weightlifting. And he became our power strength conditioning coach, weights coach. And he got us in there and he started as raw weights. And so for the blokes, tall and skinny legs like me, I pumped myself up to squatting 75 kgs. Someone like Dunstall's doing 125 Within 14 days, Paul Deere's doing 225 raw. Oh. It was phenomenal. And Harvey Goodman's standing back going, wow. I expected someone like him to be strong. Not that strong. Mm. He was a bruiser, a brute. But it took him a while to find his feet. And it clicked for him around 1990, 1991, as we know, with the premiership. It was his perfect period. Mm. He was the key forward. So he, I got to play a role where I was allowed to roam around. Dunstall stayed in the goals, whereas he did. That was his role. But Deary played as the key forward. Yep. So we say, oh, wasn't he great that day? He was one of the forwards. No, he was the key forward. He was yep. our number one forward in yep. the 91 Premiership. It was a great piece with you did on 360 with his wife and the kids. Yeah, yeah it was. It was brilliant that they lovely. came in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Big Harry wasn't a bad player. Yeah, yeah, he had a bit of... We, we <laughs> actually have said to Deary, I said to him... <laughs> When we had lunch a few a couple of months ago, I said, "Hang on, Are you sure Harry's yours? He's way too good looking to be your <laughs> son, dearie." And his nickname, we we punker, we called him punker because he had this huge melon of a head, punker head, and the, and he had two nicknames, punker and humper. So we're out there on the ground at training. We'd yell, "Here, punker! Here, punker! Yeah, there, punker! Yeah, go!" 
And Jeezy would call us in and he'd say, all right, I need you to do this and, 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 and try and kick the ball over to this direction to Humper. <laughs> so he didn't hear it right. So the chins went down and we sniggered and we started calling him Humper. But I, I had the good fortune to have a luncheon with him. And just as he espoused on the, on the show, I said to him, I said, can I be frank with you? And he said, yeah. I said, I've never really spoken to and asked somebody who I know is definitively going to die soon. I hope this is all right to do. And he said, ask away. I said, what's important to you now? He said, my family. Doing things that I know I can take to the grave with me that will fill my soul. He said, it's a different world for me now. I don't have to go out there and earn money. I don't have to set up for the future. I just want to do things that will fill my soul. Beautiful. You paid tribute to him perfectly. Dermot Brereton on Paul Deere, who passed away and will be honoured by the club on Sunday. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.